you know, I I thought that was it. Just shows Haggard as a man that as as focused he was on the field to to get win. He wanted to make these guys better men and, and better people on the field, in the classroom, and in the community. And you know, it didn't work out on the field, but I think everywhere else we. We could say Tagger made a, a positive impact on this program. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear. Presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die. And go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Hear the Spear, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We have a, a loaded amount of content for this podcast this evening. We're recording right after Florida State's uh, season opener against Pittsburgh. Um, I've got Austin, our lead basketball writer, with us. Tonight, and I got our lead writer and editor Dustin Lewis on with us on Hear the Spirit tonight. How are you guys doing? Really unhappy at Teddy Valentine, but other than that, not too bad. Yeah, I'm doing better than my wall that has a hole in it now. <laughs> Jesus, man, I didn't think it'd go that far. First game of the season, geez. Got to go all out. That is true. And I this pod- the passion. <laughs> there is a lot. Justin Lewis loves his basketball, obviously, and punching walls. <laughs> that is true. That's my yeah. mother. Oh, Jesus. Um, so in this podcast, like I said, we have a lot of content coming to you guys. So uh, we're going to talk about the Florida State coaching search for football. Of course, we have basketball on here. We actually have an interview with former Noel P.J. Savoy, he joins us on the show to help preview a little bit of the season ahead for the Florida State Seminoles and Leonard Hamilton. Uh, we get into the Boston College preview also at the end of this podcast. There's just a whole lot going on right now at Florida State. Of course, the top thing happening and the biggest topic right now is the head coaching search and the carousel there. We will give you our latest updates in that area uh, later on in the podcast. Um but we'll we'll go ahead and start off now getting into the basketball game that happened tonight. Um, Florida State uh, didn't uh, come through and get the dub. Yeah, I mean, it was really just a sloppy game. Honestly, kind of the perfect storm for this Florida State team. Losing so much experience to graduation and also the NBA after the, the Sweet 16 run a year ago. And instead of getting an easy tune-up opponent, they go on the road for their conference opener against Pittsburgh. Typically in this spot, you see a team play someone typically easy to start kind of easing themselves into a rhythm before playing tougher competition. But not the case with what the ACC want to do with the schedule this year. But 
43 combined fouls in this game, 28 combined turnovers. Really sloppy out there, and Florida State just couldn't find a way to pull it out in the end with all their scholarship bigs fouling out. Yeah, and all, most of those personal fouls were on Florida State. 28 going against us. All available scholarship bigs fouled out since Dominic was out. Um, it was just a sloppy game, like I predicted in my preview. And it came right down to the wire. We had a chance to win it, and didn't end up happening. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty tired of ACC officials. Yeah, especially Teddy Valentine. I mean, that dude can kick rocks after tonight. Yeah, TV Teddy's going to be TV Teddy, but... Yeah, I'm I'm pretty tired of them, and we're one game into the season. I can't wait for the rest of this. Yeah, a lot of bullshit fouls, honestly. Uh, final free throw disparity. Pittsburgh finishes with 31 free throw attempts. Florida State just 15. Florida State did knock down 13 of those 15 free throw attempts, so definitely looks like the Knowles have taken a little bit of a step forward at the line after the uh, last few seasons, especially because they've struggled considerably on the road over the last couple of years, so. See them miss, to see them miss just two free throws, honestly, really big, especially because I thought Pittsburgh, the environment that Pittsburgh brought was pretty good for the season opener. Yeah, that's a tough environment. When I went there uh, three years ago with the team, that was one of the loudest environments I've ever been in. Seriously, it was right up there with Cameron Endor. Um, it's a rocking place, and that student section's it lives up to their reputation. Um, yeah. I'm just looking back at these stats and looking back at the game, going back to TV Teddy, the flagrant on MJ Walker, like, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. like I don't understand it. I blocked that out. Um, I, I get a lot of people aren't a huge fan of MJ, but that was that was a soft flagrant, and I've seen some soft flagrants. That was a soft flagrant. I mean, hands completely behind his back, talking to the Pittsburgh player that's Directly in front of him, talking back. I mean, if anything, how's that not a double technical at the yeah, very was, least? Or actually, it was a flagrant. So double flagrant. I, I have, I have no idea. We're giving out flagrants for words nowadays in basketball. That just, yeah. Yeah, and to, and to your point with free throws, obviously we did great from the line, but the one that's going to stick out is the one Raekwon Gray missed at the end. Um, I think if he makes that, it's a tie game or a one point game or something like that, and that's yeah, that's a big momentum play with only a minute left. Yeah, it would have been, uh, I believe, tied up at 60. Said you're still down 60-59. Pittsburgh goes down, draws a foul. And, uh, yeah, and Patrick Burns went one for two the next time. Right. Florida State loses 61-63 to the Pittsburgh Panthers. Your leading scorer is Trent Forrest. Um, behind him is Devin Vassell. How about Devin Vassell? What are your thoughts on him, Austin, from this game? No, I love me some Devin Vassell. I wish people would stop talking about us. We could have a round for another year. But <laughs> the first half, you didn't see him because he was in foul trouble. And then the second half, he's like, all right, let me make up for missed time. It just lights the world on fire. And then you don't see him again for the last 10 minutes. I don't even think he touched the ball. But every time he did, good things were happening. Wish he could have gotten some shots down the stretch. But that's not what happened. And that's not what happened. Yeah, it was really weird just – Probably the rhythm he was in, obviously missed that whole first half, picked up two early fouls, along with MJ, who also sat the majority of the first half. And then he just comes out cooking right after the second half. He scored 11 of Florida State's first 15 points. Really looked like he was primed to lead the Seminoles to a win. And then all of a sudden, like you said, Austin, he just nothing the rest of the game, no more shots. So if he probably would have got another shot off if he didn't slip 
on that last possession and lose the ball and have to flip it to Trent. Yes, that, well, what I think that play drop was, I want to go back and yeah. watch the. I'm going to rewatch the game and I'll put that play in my article for tomorrow. Um, yeah, I think it was going to be a flip back to Trent anyways. That's something the staff has done in the past. That's what they did against Purdue last year to get Trent his game winner. They get one guy driving, flip it back to Trent, and he's already going downhill as soon as he catches the ball and he's at the rim for a layup or drawing fouls. So I think that's what was going to happen. It looked like he was going to flip it anyways before he started slipping, but the slip just made it a bad pass and the rest is history. Yeah, it kind of seemed like Trent ended up forcing that shot right there. It seemed, it seemed like maybe he could have passed out and reset, but I don't remember the exact shot clock. Yeah, well, well I guess the there, shot clock was turned off. Yeah, was I, was say, I guess there wasn't a shot clock. but Yeah, I, I would have definitely liked to see him pass it out, but it is what it is, and he's going to learn from his mistakes if I know Trent. And they'll get back at it against Florida on Sunday. But, yeah, those last few possessions, you would have liked to see some better execution. One guy I want to bring up real quick is uh, Malik Osborne. He only went one out of yeah. Only went one out of four today, two points. But he was huge on the boards, a game high, nine rebounds, and they only credited him with four blocks. I swear he had five. And just from the opening tip in his first game with FSU, Osborne was just everywhere, blocking shots, diving on the floor to fight for loose balls, grabbing rebounds. I mean, his presence was noted. Yeah, he was an energizer bunny. Every time he, every time there was a ball on the floor, he was there. Every time there was a shot to be blocked, he was there. He was unbelievable, and for he's playing out of position technically. He wants to play on the perimeter, and that's what Florida State recruited him through the transfer portal to do. So to play in the post all game, and he held his own. Um, I wish he didn't foul out in a couple of his fouls. I didn't necessarily agree with, but hey, that's TV Teddy for you. Um, <laughs> What about MJ Walker Walker and his shooting? I know that's something that's been talked about since his career at Florida State, but once again, wasn't able to hit a shot. Only shots he made was with free throws, four for four there. But uh, y'all give me y'all's thoughts on on MJ Walker because a lot of, I'm sure the staff, but the fans too, and would like to see a little bit more production from him. Yeah, I like MJ. Obviously, I'm biased because I spent a couple years around him and I see the work he puts in. it's, but it's hard not to be frustrated in his performances and games. And I know the staff is as well because they know how great he can be. Um, I think tonight's a little mix of he sat pretty much the entire first half and then he's trying to get in a rhythm the second half. Um, but at least he went four for four from the strike. There's several linings to everything. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you there. I mean, MJ really five-star talent, but just one-star consistency. I just feel like he's never really consistent. And- it was just even harder for him tonight to get in that rhythm, having to sit so much and to get in sporadic playing time. And then it's like as soon as he comes in, he gets another foul. So, yeah, just rough outing for MJ, but not all not all his fault. Yeah, he only played 16 minutes, which a lot of that's to fouls and a lot of that's due to the flagrant he drew. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think his playing time is going to dip because Coach Hamilton loves his defense, and he's an absolute dog on defense. There's no denying that. But, yeah, we'll see what he looks like in these next few games. And uh, in a few minutes here, we're going to throw in our interview with P.J. Savoy. He helps preview the season with us, and he also names a few players 
uh, to look out for. And he's excited for this season, but also the future ahead for Florida State. So you all stay tuned to that. Um, real quick before we move on to our preview, uh, how about Raekwon Gray, too? I personally enjoy watching him play. I think he's a big boy. It's funny how quick he can kind of move with how much, how big he is and, and the structure that he has. But what do y'all what what is y'all's takeaway from from this game with with Raekwon Raekwon Gray? Because we saw a lot from him last year, um, and I think I think he's could be a special uh, specimen for this team moving forward. Yeah, I really like the comparison that the the broadcasters made uh, to Raekwon and Draymond Green because I kind of see those comparisons. Gray just kind of impacts makes an impact all over the court, defense, offense rebounding the ball, passing the ball. He can handle the ball. I mean, really, he just does it all. He had a beautiful hook down in the lane at one point that he finished that the announcers really noticed. And to me, it kind of looks like Gray has slimmed down a little bit, maybe like 10 or 15 pounds. Last year, he was he was pretty big. This year, he's still big, but he's a little bit smaller and a little bit more in shape. And I just thought that gave him even more of an impact than last year tonight. I, I thought he looked a lot more polished offensively than a year ago, especially with the fundamentals. Well, since you love the, Dr- the Draymond Green comparison, I'll play devil's advocate and say I don't like it. And, um, I think he's much better offensively than Draymond is. He's much better handling the ball. He's, I won't say he's a better playmaker. They're both very good playmaking and distributing. But I think Raycon's much better getting the basket, finishing around the rim. Like you noted with that hook shot, he also had a, a sexy Euro step layup early in the game that I'm – I still can't get over. And the mm-hmm. rest were, they were calling it a travel. travel. Yeah. Yeah. No, they didn't shut up with that. That was a gorgeous <laughs> year step. And I think he's going to do more of the same. They're not used to seeing a big man move like that. No. No, was, I was about to say, amazing. yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Um, coming, like, from this game, do you feel still po- – I mean, it's still the first game. It's an ACC matchup, too. Uh, God forbid it be the you know it's the first game of the season. Do you feel? Do you still feel very positive about this team? Or do you feel you see more good than bad from the first game? Oh yeah, absolutely. The defense was amazing all game, um, and you're missing two really key role players in Dominic and uh, Raquan Evans. As soon as you get those guys back, a lot of the issues you saw tonight they're going to be solved, um, especially rebounding. I noted in my preview that. If we wanted to win, we had to establish dominance on the boards, and it ended up being tied 32-32. And you can't do that against a much smaller Pittsburgh team. Uh, Evans is going to help with that uh, ball handling and ball distributing. Uh, hopefully, there won't be too many more 14 turnover games. Yeah, Austin pretty much nailed it there. Having two of your top eight or nine rotation players out just really hurts, especially a starter in a legend exact because typically you'd be bringing Osborne off the bench and you'd have Raekwon Evans as your backup point guard instead of Anthony Polite. So you also had Polite playing out of position tonight. But like you said, Austin, I thought the defense was suffocating for most of the night. They didn't have a lot of breakdowns. And typically when they did, they would recover and have a couple strong possessions in a row. Pittsburgh did go on a couple big runs, but Florida State, for the most part, ended up stifling them. Yeah, the only defensive lapses I saw were when Pittsburgh got open corner threes, and that's just part of that's a lot of inexperience. Guys are sagging off too much when they're supposed to be stunning towards the ball and then recovering towards their man in the corner. That'll be fixed in practice these next couple of days. I'm I'm not too worried about that yet. 
Are you all excited that basketball's back? I was until I would never be able to. Well, I'll never be able to tell. A little these, less these so guys, now. <laughs> these guys right here, I think, would be fine with me not even being here. So I think that's something I might start doing. If, if we're doing – or we, we'll be having a lot of basketball coverage throughout the season. Uh, but these guys are know their stuff about basketball. So I just kind of throw in a few talking points in there, and they just go at it. So um, got some really good basketball coverage coming to you guys from here to Spear. And, of, of so course, basically, no, if you don't want to hear uh, Logan talk, just get at us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll do a poll. Let these two just do basketball, and Logan can actually sleep at night. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> Please vote for that. Uh, but, yeah, so let's get into a little bit of the season preview. Um and just to note also real quick, Florida State will face uh, Florida uh, this upcoming Sunday at 1 p.m. Um, how are y'all feeling about that game real quick? How are y'all feeling? It's going to be a uh, very low-scoring defensive battle. Florida looked very uninspiring against UNF the other day. They basically got all their points by just being bigger than UNF. Um, it's going to be – it seriously might be in the 40s. It's going to be very low-scoring, very physical – um, hopefully we get Dominic back ASAP because we need him against Kerry Blackshear and Omar Payne. And hopefully Balsa doesn't foul out in just six minutes of playing time. Yeah, it's going to be huge to get a legend Zach back. And also I'd be interested to see if Raekwon Evans makes his debut in this game because he was questionable for today. But I guess Hamilton saw something that just made him not comfortable with putting him out there tonight. So maybe by Sunday that feeling will change. but. Yeah, really, this team is going to go as far as its bigs can take it. This, yeah. this, bigs, this bigs group has a ton of potential, but you know, like we saw tonight when they're shorthanded, there can be foul trouble. And that's just something they're going to have to work at during the season. This is already a yeah. short big man group with um, Naheem McLeod having to leave the team before the preseason. So, yeah, a lot of potential, but got to be established going forward yeah, and as much as i love harrison prieto he, he's a, at the end of the day he's a walk-on he's not exactly who you want out there in these high pressure games um and yeah we definitely need raekwon evans back as soon as possible for some reason he was credited with two minutes which i don't recall seeing him on the floor tonight i could be wrong but i definitely don't think he was um yeah. so yeah if we can get him out there sooner <laughs> sooner rather than later that'd be my preference and ESPN has him as having committed a turnover during the game. But like you said, Raekwon Evans, to my eyes, he never touched the court. I'm pretty sure I watched every second of the game. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they got it mixed up. Possibly. Hmm. Yeah, it's certainly possible. And Nate Jack- it says Nate Jack only played three minutes, and I thought he played more than that. So maybe they got the two mixed up. Um, I don't know, but you I, need I to go talk to them. Y'all two I need will. to go talk to them. Y'all don't need make to go me find Pittsburgh. It. I know you like the <laughs> yeah. city, but it is a trash city. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just oh. embarrassing. How, how do you mix up the players on, on one of the top teams in ACC? I mean, come on, big screw it's, up here. Do your respect. Do your jobs right. Do your jobs. Do you watch it? Yeah. Speaking of jobs, I'm gonna continue to do mine here and give some good talking points. So, uh, what? 
what expectations do y'all have for this team? Because I think that's the number one question. If anybody's trying to listen and, and come into articles, they try to see what are the expectations that someone is giving this team going into the season? Uh, how far can they go? Florida State fans have been used to seeing uh, Florida State go to March Madness almost now on a, on a regular basis. has become a trend in Tallahassee. Uh, Leonard Hamilton's done a very good job in that front. But what expectations for this team do you have, both of y'all personally, going into the season after losing Cabin Gelly, Kofer, um, and man, you know, guys that were big, also PJ Savoy, uh, some veteran guys experienced. Tell me what your guys' experience, uh, expectations are for the Florida State Seminoles this season. I had in my uh, season preview article, I had them uh, at a relatively high 25 and 6 which is, if you'd read any other Tallahassee paper or blog or whatever, they have them in 20 to 21 wins. I don't see that happening. I think the ACC is a lot weaker in general. Besides Duke and Louisville, there's no one that really stands out to me, although Virginia just did hold Syracuse to 34 points tonight, which is unbelievable. Um, but and there's not many tough out-of-conference games. Obviously, Florida's good, and the uh, Emerald Coast Classic has some good matchups, but I think we're all better than them. So I think it's going to be another great regular season, and then the postseason is just so tough to predict. Um, but I think it's safe to say they'll get back to the tournament, and I think they'll make the second weekend again and get to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I guess I'm typical Tallahassee media because I was honestly I was making this prediction today, just looking at Florida State schedule, and I went with I went with 21 at 10. So <laughs> right on that number you were talking about, but yeah, I mean this is a young team. Not a lot of experience returning. A lot of newcomers coming in that are going to have to learn to mesh with this group. And I think the most important thing is that we see them make incremental progress as the season goes on. Like we saw tonight, the offense still isn't fully in sync. That's going to take time. Um, this team doesn't have the best shooters as is, and that three-point line got moved back during the offseason. So that's also going to be still an adjustment that guys are making. But defensively is where this team can really shine. Like we saw tonight, when they're on, they can really be a suffocating team. They rotate extremely well. They have great on-ball pressure. So really it's going to be defense leading to offense, and it's going to be a, a lot of transition success for Florida State this year. I feel like if they're going to have a great year, it's going to have to be in transition, not just in the half-court setting. Like we saw tonight, they're a little bit sloppy there. but. I mean, that's just that's going to get cleaned up moving forward. So I think we're going to see a solid regular season. Florida State's going to win some games that they probably shouldn't, and then they'll probably drop a few that they probably shouldn't, just like we see pretty much every regular season. And then in March, like you said, Austin, I think we'll see them back in the dance with the potential to make a Sweet 16 run, depending on the team, is how the team is gelling and meshed together in February. I think <clears throat> I was watching the game tonight and like we were talking about in our group chat with the rest of the Noel game day chat <clears throat> was sorry, I'm choking here. Uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't breathe. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Um, watching the game and we were talking about, I think Richie, one of our uh, contributors in oldgameday.com, was talking about uh, once this team does gel together. Also, like you said, Dustin, once it comes all together, this team is going to be very exciting to watch. What do y'all think about that? Because, I mean, guys moving around, it was kind of like last year. It was, it, this 
FSU basketball team is exciting to watch, and that's what I was a big fan. I wasn't crazy big into basketball, but the last couple of years, of course, having going into uh, March Madness, we'll get anybody to go watch him. But you know, going to watch Terrence Mann, what he did last year, and Cabin Gelly, but Kofor too, uh, Aliubs from Mann, and, and it was fun to watch. But you know, this team once it starts gelling together, it will be very exciting uh, to watch. Yeah, and, and like you guys mentioned, the offense was a little stagnant tonight. You'd like to see a little more weak side exchanges when they don't have the ball or when the ball's on the other side of the floor. As the season progresses, this will get fixed. This is stuff that coaching staff's looking at. Um, and I think we have better shooters than we've had in the past. So I think they'll be all right on offense. I'm not too worried about it yet. I think it'll be exciting, Dustin. Yeah, I really like the the ball movement for the most part tonight, just passing the ball around, getting different guys' looks, moving the floor. But yeah, like Austin said, one thing I would like to see more is off-ball movement. You just kind of had shooters standing around whenever they didn't have the ball. I'd like to see guys moving a little bit more to try and create mismatches on the defense. Just kind of whenever you have guys just constantly moving around, trying to get open, someone on defense is going to make a mistake two guys are going to cover one offensive player or something else is going to happen to get a guy open. So whenever you're just moving around, good things happen. Yeah. It's not even just as much as creating mismatches. It's about getting someone out of position to maybe they're helping too much into the paint or helping too much on their man to create an easy layup. That's the stuff you're trying to look for when you get that off ball movement. Which games do you think is the toughest for the Knowles this year on their schedule? I think it's gotta be Louisville. Louisville looked amazing against Miami. Um, they were up at 30 at one point, one, ended up winning by mm. 13 or 15, something like that. Um, and it's a very loaded though. roster. Chris Max, a good coach. I won't say he's a great coach, but he's a good coach, and he's got history against us coaching at Xavier. So I, I think we, I, th- I know we play them once, a, and I think we might play them twice, but I might be wrong there. Um, yeah, you, yep, yep. They, uh, Florida State will go to Louisville on January 4th, and then Louisville will come to Tallahassee on February 24th. That's what I thought. That's going to be two very tough games. They've got mismatches all across the roster. Um, I I think that's definitely your toughest opponent for the season. Yeah, I'd have to go with uh, North Carolina. I can't remember base. I can't remember off the top of my head if Florida State plays in Chapel Hill this season or... uh, They come to Tallahassee, yeah. In Tallahassee, all right. So I feel a little bit better about that. But whenever Florida State goes up to Chapel Hill... I just feel like it, the Seminoles pretty much never come out with a win, which, I mean, it is one of the toughest places in the country to play a game, but just goes to show how great North Carolina has been. But, yeah, this year, they have a very talented team. Cole Anthony, I believe tonight, he had 35 points, 11 rebounds, five assists in his debut, five-star true freshman. So, I mean, just like every year, Carolina is loaded with both true freshmen and veterans. So, That'll be a tough game whenever they come down to Tallahassee. Uh, I want to get y'all's thoughts, too, on players uh, and guys that you think are going to be a key factor for the success of the Florida State Seminoles this season. Um, We we talked about it a little bit earlier, of course, about the game we just recapped with Pittsburgh, but we talked about Devin Vassell. Uh, a stud, but also Trent Forrest. I mean, he is something else. 
one thing that I noticed, which he did last year, but he definitely did tonight, was you know if, if they're crowded, if they, if they just landed a big shot and, and Florida State's getting the ball back, he goes straight for the gun. He goes <laughs> tries to go kill their momentum and kills the crowd uh, and, and puts up a layup. But tell me a, a few players that you think will be a key factor for Florida State's success this season. Yeah, the two you just mentioned, Grimforce and Devin Vassell, obviously those are going to be <laughs> Pretty much the two main vocal points on offense. I'm I'm comfortable saying, especially after what we witnessed tonight. Obviously, I think I think you're going to need about at least 12 points from Trent every single game of the season. He's got to be probably the most consistent player on this roster, especially early on. All the newcomers are still getting acclimated. Everyone's working themselves into a rhythm. He needs to be the senior leader on this team for sure, and then. Other than those two guys, like I mentioned earlier, I'm really just I'm looking at the bigs. I'm looking at Malik Osborne, Raquan Gray, Legend Zach, and and Cooper Vika. How are these guys going to mesh together as, as the season goes on? How are they going to continue to improve? And you know who's going to earn the most minutes in the rotation when everyone's healthy? Obviously, not fouling on defense is going to be a very big focal point with only four scholarship big men all season. Yeah, and to your point about Devin, uh, just to show how good he is, everyone expected five-star true freshman Patrick Williams to just come in and take Terrence Mann's spot in the starting lineup. But just like he did with not having a red shirt last year and getting his way into the lineup, Vassell just said, no, that's my starting spot. Let me go out and get it. And he showed why tonight. He's a spectacular talent. I don't know how he was a three-star. I don't know how he only had three or four scholarship offers. He's unbelievable. And then Trent, again, to your point, he's – very consistent, very level-headed. He's not going to get too up, too down. Um, he had five turnovers tonight. I'm not too worried about it. I think a lot of that was you had MJ Walker and Devin Vassell and Raekwon Gray in foul trouble that first half. So he's pressing too much, thinking he has to do more. Um, and then the last couple shots, especially that last one, um, the, I, to me the reason he didn't drive and try and get a, lie, a layup at the end, he saw someone post right, right beneath the basket and said, I think the best chance for me to win this game is to pull it up from the elbow. And I, I don't disagree with it. I think I'll have to go back and watch, but I think there may have been a better option. Um, but he, he's going to do what he thinks is the best play, and 90% of the time it is the best play. One guy I forgot to bring up was Patrick Williams, which the only reason I kind of forgot about him is he, was, he didn't really make much of an impact tonight. I mean, he did all right defensively I thought but just one of five from the field he did knock down a three-pointer and he hit two clutch free throws late in the game to keep Florida State alive in this one but um low five star high four star however you want to rank him coming out of high school you know he's not as he's not as far along I would say as some of the other elite true freshmen coming into college college basketball this season he's more of a guy that needs some development. So really as the season goes on, you want to see Williams begin to harness that athleticism and turn it into success rather than just a couple random enigmas every game like he does now. In the preseason, he threw down plenty of athletic dunks, had some high-flying blocks, and you really just want to see him put all of that together start to do it consistently. Yeah, and to name one more key player just so... 
we're keeping a little bit balanced. I really think Raquel Evans is going to have a huge difference on this team once he comes back. Um, he's a very Trent Forrest-like player, so when you can give Trent Forrest some rest to bring in another Trent Forrest, it can only get better. Yeah, don't see how that hurts. <laughs> no. Uh, one other quick thing, which I think is, is a pretty interesting topic before we move on to the P.J. Savoy interview. Uh, who's going to be the big man for FSU? You know, we, we're used to seeing big, tall cats. We had Kamaji last year. We've seen Michael Ojo, Bojanowski. Uh, y'all tell me who's going to be the big that big man for FSU uh, this season. I, I think it has to be Dominic. Uh, he's, he's, him and Boss are both 7-foot or 7-1. I don't know which one's which, but they're both above 7 feet. And I think Dominic's going to be the more steady player, whereas Boss is a more potential and a more offensively talented player. But this season, I think Dominic's going to get most of that big man work you're used to seeing. I'm kind of upset. We're we're kind of missing our Kamaji clone this year. He was supposed to be on the team, three-star, true freshman center, Naheem McLeod. Um, I believe Naheem was seven foot four, actually coming in. But yeah, he was he's academically ineligible and and no longer on the roster. But like you said, Austin, I mean it's really got to be a legend exact grad transfer senior. He's got to be the steady presence on this team, whereas. Cobra Vika is just a true freshman. Record predictions before we move on to the interview with PJ Savoy. I know we kind of, y'all noted on him earlier, but kind of, I think y'all did. If I remember yeah, correctly. I'm, I'm sticking with my 25 and six. I even had the Pittsburgh game as a loss in my season preview. So I'm one to know so far. I look to go 31 and <laughs> 0. <now. laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just, I'll stick around 21, 10. Um, I like the op- the optimism. That Austin's bringing to the table, though. I just think, you know, not as experience, not as much experience as last year. Five new guys trying to get into the rotation. I just think there's going to be a, maybe a little bit of problems early in the non-conference slate against some of the better teams, and then also in the conference slate as well. But once all those things get figured out, and if they can get figured out by late February, early March, this team could be primed for a big run. If you guys like basketball coverage, nolgamebay.com, Austin, he has been doing a phenomenal job getting you guys ready for the season. You can still go check it out now. Uh, he's got all different kinds of insights from every which angle, newcomers, experienced guys, and he gives his season predictions and the full preview slate on nolgamebay.com. You guys go check that out. We're going to try to bring a lot of basketball coverage on here, the Spear at the site also, Twitter coverage, they're doing a phenomenal job so far. First game, but we're going to try to keep it as consistent as we can as we are with football. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump right now into PJ Savoy's interview with us. He jumps on to hear the spear uh, to talk about his time at Florida State, what he thinks about the current team, the staff, Dennis Gates, also Leonard Hamilton, of course. Uh, and he also gives his prediction on how the season will go and even further into even next year. Uh, so, yeah, we'll go ahead and switch you guys over to that now. All right, well, sweet deal. We got our guest now for our season preview for FSU basketball, former Noel PJ Savoy, or 3J Savoy, you could say. What's going on, man? How you doing? How you doing? 
Doing great, doing great. Just getting ready for a basketball scene. I think a lot of Florida State fans, now that football is kind of degressing at a quick rate, everybody's looking forward to basketball scene. It has been the last two years for sure. Yeah, I want to wait for it either. I know, I know. I want to get, I want to just get caught up with you. You know, uh, what are you up to lately? I know we just talked before we start recording. You're out in Vegas, but what, what are you up to? Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm out in Vegas, you know, um, working out, trying to stay in shape and just waiting for my, my number to be called for a contract overseas. Um, you know, I'm just trying to explore all my options. Have you have you considered applying for the, the basketball tournament team? Uh, yeah, my application has already been sent in. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yep. Uh, so so exciting. We'll, we'll get down to some questions. We both spent some time with the program. Uh, what are your thoughts on what Coach Hamilton and the rest of the staff's like? Um, you know, from, from my time being there, I feel like the coaching staff has been great. Um, you know, they really they really bought into a team environment. Um, nobody's left alone on the island. Um, it's a real brotherhood there, you know, and I feel like that's, mainly from the coaches, just recruiting and getting high-character guys in that program. And, I mean, you've seen what it's done since since I've been there. It's only gone up. So, I mean, it's got the limit. Yeah, just speaking on assistant coaches, how do you think the loss of Dennis Gates will affect this team moving forward? And what are your thoughts on Gates getting a head coaching opportunity with Cleveland State? Uh, I'm I'm extremely happy for him. You know, he's a a, a great coach and just a, a great guy to be around. Um, Florida State, I don't I don't think it'll be a big loss just because of I know I know the mentality that they're going through, the mentality in their head that they gotta push through, even though one of their coaches left. Um, I I I still expecting to have a big year, so I mean, I, it shouldn't be too much of a dip off, but. They'll be all right. Looking ahead a little bit now to uh, next season and this upcoming season, um, which player, uh, you know, you've been around him the most, but which player do you think is, is going to have uh, a big year for the Knolls? You know, you got some big guys coming back. You got Trent Forrest. I've been very high on him uh, once he started at Florida State. Uh, you got Raekwon Gray, MJ Walker. And then you have some uh, younger guys like Patrick Williams. Uh, give us give us a guy or, or two guys you think that are going to show out for the Knolls this year that we should keep an eye on. Yeah, see, with, with this team, I don't think it's just going to be that one guy or two guys. I think each game you're going to have to guard every player like they can go off for 20. Um, I, I think that's what this, this team has, you know, in their back pocket. Um, but, I mean, if I had to pick, I would say, you know, my guy – Raekwon, you know, he's, he's showing some big things and being able to handle the ball and being as big as he is, you know, he's hard to stop and he can shoot it. Um, and, you know, you've got new guys coming in, Patrick Williams, um, coming in to add a great factor. So, I mean, that those off off the top, those are my two guys I got to watch. What, what about Devin Vassell? A lot of fans are excited about him. Uh, for next year too, tell me a little bit about Devin Vassell and his skill set because we've seen flashes from him uh, during his career at Florida State, but it, it seems like he's going to have a, a good amount of time this season to to show out. 
Yeah, Devin, he's, he's young, he's athletic, you know, he's ready to work at all times, and, and that's that's hard to find in a player. Um, you know, he can stretch the floor, shoot the three, he can handle the ball, rebound, he can do everything you you ask him to do, you know. Um, and, and like you said, he's going to find himself with a lot of minutes, and it's going to it's gonna end up helping Florida State in the long run. As you see last year, freshman comes in and hits a big shot against Virginia Tech to send us to the next round in um, ACC tournament, you know. So I mean, he he has he has he has the capability of hitting big shots, um, and make doing the big plays. So I mean, he's gonna be very exciting to watch. All right, now getting into you a little bit. Everyone knows you're phenomenal shooter. Well, we both are, but we won't get into that. <laughs> uh, did that always come to you, or was it just extra practice and being from a basketball family? Um, I, I'll say a little bit of both. Um, you know, growing up, I, when I was younger, I was always a big man because I've been the tallest, but when I got to high school, I quickly changed, and I was one of the shortest, and that's when me and my dad started you know, living in the gym day and night, trying to develop a shot, trying to develop other basketball skills so I didn't have to be a big anymore. And um, ever since then, I've been shooting. Who was the toughest player or team you got to face during your career at Florida State? Um, the toughest? Um uh... I don't know. They're they're all pretty tough. I mean, yeah, the ACC is kind of stacked, but I would definitely have to say uh, probably North Carolina at their house. My first year, that was probably the most stacked team we played, and it was shell shocking for me. I bet. Tell me a little bit. You know, I went to this game uh, when Duke came into town. Uh, the tuck was rocking. That was probably one of my favorite Florida State sporting events I've ever been to. But tell me about that environment and how, you know, and we'll get to another question too, talking about um, how Florida State fans have given a lot more uh, support the last couple of years. But tell me about, you know, the tuck going crazy uh, during that Duke game and just how much support you've seen the last couple of years from the fan base and just that game as a whole. I mean, that was electric and I'm sure that might've helped y'all in some sort uh, in some part of ways. I mean, yeah, uh, the tuck was electric. I mean, it had so much energy. We fed off that energy. Um, and you know, we try to, we try to incorporate that night in and night out. Um, I mean that, that Duke game, I mean, my first year and my last year, you know, at the Tuck, um, only unfortunately only won one of them, but came down to the wire. But like like I said, that was a great game, great atmosphere, um, definitely a game that you you dream of being in. Bouncing off of that, what makes it so tough to play in the Tucker Center? Um, just just the the fact that we feed off our our crowd, you know, when the crowd is up and alive, you know, that's when we start making those high-flying, um, highlight playing dunks and doing all the all the stuff that you normally see on TV, you know. Um, we just like to have fun. The tuck is always a great place for us to have fun. Um, the bench is always going crazy. And, you know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. And now that we, now that they have an actual student section, it might even be crazier. To- <laughs> yeah, I know. Finally, <laughs> finally, that might be a great idea to bring the kids yeah. down a little bit and get loud with it. Uh, I I have a quick yeah. question. Uh, we had Terrence Mann on a couple months ago, and uh, he talked about the the Duke game and you know how Leonard Hamilton was after the game. And I'm just interested from your aspect to how Leonard Hamilton is as a coach uh, on the on the outside. You know, he's got a Twitter now, and he seems like he's killing it. I think he's got to have some kind of help. Someone's helping him a little bit. But he does. Does he have that kind of personality, though, off the court uh, when he's just hanging out with you guys? How is he uh, like that? Oh, my gosh. Coach Ham is a card. Uh, he, he's funny. I mean, I feel like, I feel like our fan base and – you know, the media doesn't see what we see. Coach Ham is a real fun, caring guy. You know, most people will look at him and think he's always mad or he's mean, but it's completely the opposite, you know. He's really laid back, but uh, he'll get on you if, you, if you're not doing the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Did that play yeah, into I, I really enjoyed it. Did that play into your recruitment, you know, how he was? And, you know, it seemed, you know, they just picked up a big – uh, recruitment too, a uh, little bit ago with last month. Uh, is that how you know a family man? I mean, I mean, yeah, in a, in a sense, it, it is because um, for Coach Ham, when you're meeting these these young kids and their family, you want them to feel welcomed. And for me, on my recruit, um, you know, he he made me and my family feel welcome, like we were already part of that family. You know. Mm-hmm. And then in introducing us to the guys, the guys are, you know, go hand in hand with Coach Ham. They're good guys, you know what I'm saying? They want to be better. They want to be the best. They want to do things that, you know, floors they haven't done yet. So, so I mean, it's just a perfect fit. Yeah. EJ, you set the standard for three-point shooting at Florida State. Who's going to be the next 3J for the Seminoles? Um, a guy I liked during the exhibition schedule Nathaniel Jack, and I noticed he was taking a lot of shots from distance. So who do you think will be the next player to kind of play your role? Um, I mean, there you go. You said it. Nate Jack coming in, um, Juco transfer, you know. I mean, the shoes fit. <laughs> he's going to come in, and I, I know he's going to come in and light it up. Um, you know, he's a tremendous shooter. Um, you got to watch out for Anthony Polite, too. He has a great jump shot. And I know he can, once he gets consistent with it, he can be deadly. So, Okay. Uh, speaking more about your playing career, what was your favorite memory, either a shot or your favorite game while at Florida State? Definitely the Sweet 16 game. Or the game to go to the Sweet 16 against Xavier. That's understandable. And can can you talk more about that Elite Eight run and how special it was to make that journey all the way to L.A. and win that Sweet 16 game and come within just a couple points of a Final Four? I mean, I mean, it was big for us just just getting another shot at Xavier because the previous year, you know, they kind of embarrassed us in that same spot. So, I mean, just coming back out, having that on our mind and um, just everybody wanted to win that game just made it that much more um, 
you know, that more profound just because down 20 at one point in that game with in the second half with six or five or six minutes left to make a comeback and and uh, knock off the number one seed, that's just something big. Um, you know, we go on in that tournament to to play Gonzaga, knock them off. They're a big team. And then we fall short to Michigan, which, you know, like you said, a few points puts us in the Final Four. But, I mean, it's it's a big accomplishment, you know, for for an athlete at Florida State, my, just personally. Um, we Obviously, we had higher expectations, higher goals to accomplish and fell short. But, you know, definitely a historic run. Yeah, I'll never forget the rest for that jump ball in front of the bench, but oh well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll go into it. <laughs> and it's really a, a run that will be remembered for a long time in Tallahassee. Um, PJ, what was your preparation like as a guy coming off the bench to provide instant offense? How did you stay warm and prepared to be called off the bench to go into games? Um, I mean, it, it was easy. My teammates helped me out, you know, whenever I came in, they were making sure they'll, they'll look for me if I'm open, um, give me that extra confidence when you shoot the ball, you know, just the little things. Um, and always just me, myself, um, just being ready. Coach Am always says, you stay ready, you don't got to get ready, you know? So, I mean, that was just something, something you just had to stick with. Who do you think you base your game off of, PJ? Someone in the NBA? Um. Well, uh, I mean, I, I love watching like the the high caliber players, the LeBron James, Steph Curry. But if I had to personally pick who I play like, I would probably say someone like uh, like Chris Middleton type of caliber, you know. Okay. Okay. Not really the, the star, but he can go crazy. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. And, and you know, for our, for our final question here, uh, give me just a prediction on where you think this team can go this season. Um, I, I We all talked about it the last few weeks on here on our podcast, going over the exhibition games. But, you know, there, there's a bright future, not only for this season, but ahead for Florida State basketball. Um, coverage is getting stronger for it nationally and also locally. A lot more attention is going to it. A lot more the attendance is obviously growing quickly. Now you have a, a student section finally in there. Um, tell me what you think this, where this team uh, can go um, and give me your season predictions and maybe how far, you know, March Madness, NCAA tournament. Uh, tell me what you think. Um, well, I think I think since I've been there, um, you know, we try to set a standard of being in the tournament every year, every year, every year, constantly being there. So, I mean, I feel like this team definitely is going to make the tournament, make make a great run, you know, Final Four appearance. Um, but that's just me, just knowing how hard these guys work personally. Um you know, I know how hard the, the coaching staff works and how much everybody wants it. You know, we were we were so close years past to to get there that you know they have guys that's been in that boat. Trent Forrest, the veteran, knows what it takes to get there and what he needs to do 
to talk talk these younger guys up to get them to where we need them to be. So yeah, I mean, I, I honestly see Florida State playing for a national championship within the next few years. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's just that's just how I see it. Mm-hmm. Florida State's got a lot of talent so on roster, but heading into next season. Like what? What did you say last week, Dustin? When we were talking about basketball, who, who they're bringing, but who they could possibly be bringing back, and of course, uh, the class that they're bringing in too. Yeah, just really a lot of potential. Twenty twenty with all the talent coming in and coming back. Well, PJ, thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, I thank I you like for having it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed the insight that you gave us. Uh, hopefully during the season, too, we might be able to bring you on as a, as a guest and preview some games because Florida State's going to have some, uh, have some good matchups coming up in this season. Um, and really liked uh, being able to chat with you, and, and we're excited for covering the team moving forward. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to have you back on when the season starts. Yeah, sounds good. So who's ready to talk some football? Is there anything – has there – Anything interesting happened this week? I nope, can't. Nothing. I don't know. Not really. All I know, you know, Florida State's going up to face Boston College, I guess. That's their red bandana game, I guess. So that's pretty interesting. Nothing too special. Mini rant. Why is BC having a red bandana game in November when it's for... To, to honor 9-11. They always just do it against us, or... I know, that's uh, what I'm saying. Them. It makes no sense. No clue. I wouldn't be able to tell you that one. Uh, earlier this week, as we know, uh, Florida State uh, let go Willie Taggart, um, and we did an instant reaction. If you guys want to go listen to that, you can go ahead right now, or you can wait after this podcast. But you guys... Uh, heard our takes from that that was an instant reaction now we've had some time to think and there's more kind of more info on it uh and and florida state is still uh looking of course for a coach but you know there's nuggets there's news there's updates and everything uh it seems still uh, that, that Bob Stoops is the leading candidate or, or what Florida State is pursuing uh, the hardest is, is with Bob Stoops, a former Oklahoma coach, won a national championship in 2000. I believe, what was it 10, 10 uh, Big 12 championships? Am I wrong? No, you're, you're right. right. Oh, man. I know, right? I don't even have a script on me for that. Wow. I'm proud. Um and, you know, we, we've been talking about it a lot, Dustin, and a lot of us in the, in the crew chat, too, and in Austin also. But uh, what's so weird to me is that there's not a lot of other candidate talk going on. You know, usually in, in some cases you'll have different coaches kind of be stirred around the pot with conversations and rumors and some will shoot it down and interviews and all that kind of stuff. But it's not, it's not as hot as heavy. It just seems like it's solo dolo with Bob Stoops right now. Do y'all feel that way? Yeah. And that's, that's really what leads me to believe that this has been in the works for at least a couple weeks or so, because I mean, the day after Willie Tiger gets fired, all this news begins to drop. And then the day after that, everyone goes into misdirection mode so really it's just crazy that 
first, you know, a couple weeks back, people were talking about Mark Stoops. And actually, it, it turned out to be Bob, everyone. So I, th- I think it's working out. Yeah, uh, I guess you could say that. As long as it's not Mark, I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this whole thing just came so fast. And I, th- I think at this point, it, it's down to just like every single coaching hire out there. We did this with Taggart. Alabama did this with Saban. Texas A&M did this with Jimbo. Um, it, it's, it happens with every coaching search where a candidate gets named. Oh, they're the top target. Oh, they're in town. Oh, they're blah, blah, blah. And then the coach has to come out and deny it. It's almost like they're legally obligated or they have to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. I, I still definitely think he's a top candidate, if not the only candidate. Um, if he is the only candidate, uh, good luck, David Coburn, if it doesn't work out. <laughs> and yeah, with with how everything transpired so quickly with the the rumors of Bob Stoops to FSU popping up, and then with them being uh, pretty much strongly denied that night and the following day, honestly, I, I think it kind of has a little bit to do with Bob Stoops not wanting this thing to look like Florida State was negotiating with them before Willie Taggart had been fired. I don't think he wants this to look disrespectful at all, which it could be if, you know, Florida State immediately hired Stoops as the next head coach. It would look a little bit yeah, fishy. Yeah. So with the sorry, with the um the coaching firm being hired and everything like that, I think that's just another smoke screen for Florida State to make it look like they went through a fair hiring process. But in my opinion, they already knew who their guy was when they fired Taggart. And it is also entirely possible that negotiations have been going on and that Stoops is having second thoughts about it. I know when he retired the first time, it was because of, uh, I think his dad had a heart attack while coaching football and that kind of scared him away from it. So it, it, that's also entirely possible as well. But I think they're too far in at this point to say that Stoops hasn't at least been negotiating. Yeah, some, something's going on. And there, there's... You know, national media, the the big reporters, I guess, Kirk Herbstreet got in contact <laughs> with Bob Stoops, even though so Kirk Herbstreet told every – yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to bring up Kirk Herbstreet told uh, his social media that uh, – and his followers there that he was tired of talking about Florida State and that he was done. But I believe the two days uh, later, he can't stop talking about him. So – uh, Kirk Herbstreit tweeted that he had talked with uh, Bob Stoops, and Bob Stoops supposedly said no, not a candidate, blah blah blah. But and then also Coburn put out an article trying to shoot down that he wasn't at FSU um, and all this kind of jazz. But you know, and then everybody's not believing what anybody's saying about him being in Tallahassee. But what else? <laughs> What else is Coburn going to say? Of course, he's not going to say that he's at FSU. Of course not. And then what is Bob Stoops going to say? You know, we, are, we were bringing this up earlier with Saban and all that. You know, Saban said he was not going to be the next head coach at, at Alabama. And uh, I wonder what happened. <laughs> it's it's just, you know, it's just the way of the process. I thought by now a lot of at least Florida State fans should should know pretty well, but with what searches going on but this is something that's very very usual um i think tuesday what was it yet or yesterday it was very uh, when things start getting silent 
And this fan base is ravenous with trying to figure out a lot of things. I mean, it is unreal, the fan base from Florida State. Um, it was crazy when Jimbo Fisher left, but now I think it's even more wild now with, the, with this Bob Stoop stuff. I mean, everybody wants to know everything. <laughs> Screw personal We won't know anything until there's a Christmas tree out on the street. Mm-hmm. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Um and so that this is going to be ongoing. I think Coburn or Coburn said today that they would hope to ha- have the coaching search done, have someone hired by uh, before the, or by the end of the month. Um, I think that will happen a little bit earlier uh, than that. But um, if it, if it's you know, you'll also find it pretty interesting too that. You know, Florida State hasn't put out anything publicly about Willie Taggart and, and, and being let go. The only thing that, at least that I, I guess that I've seen, is Willie Taggart's note that he put out on Twitter. Yeah. Of course, it was an official statement from FSU and Coburn, but, you know, it's just kind of silence. Yeah, they didn't put that statement out on the uh, FSU football Twitter, I believe. I, I believe there's there was still... Never a message about Taggart being fired or anything. It was just the final score of the Miami game. And then the next tweet was a press conference with interim head coach Odell, Odell Haggard. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, they kind of just skipped right by acknowledging Taggart, thanking him, wishing him the well best. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Florida State PR. You know, they just they always fuck up. So, <laughs> yeah, you've got to love our social media presence these last couple of years. Haven't we just been the absolute best at it? Yeah, give those people a raise right now. <laughs> well, it starts from the top, starts from the top and works down. But that's a whole other conversation we could all have for another hour. I know me and Dustin have already done that for at least eighteen hours. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just find that odd. Definitely, you would have thought that Taggart was a complete opposite of like a person as he was. He, he tried very hard with creating. A, a better culture creating and which I think will continue like a new tradition with the team going to do the fight song after games with the marching chiefs, which I think is incredible. Um, and I know that marching chiefs uh, appreciate it and they also deserve it. Um, and some hardworking folk there shout out to David Plaque from the marching chiefs um, and big eight. My dad was with big eight, but the, the things that Willie Taggart bringing in uh, older uh, players, uh, Bobby Bowden, Mickey Andrews. He he put a lot of his work, I think, and maybe just a ton of work into bringing a lot of the the old tradition back to Florida State. Having spring game and having the old uh, end zones in there. Um, I don't know. He he just did a lot uh, and just fired and nothing to be said. Just. Yeah, I mean, of course, the on-field stuff is terrible with the the result of the record that he's leaving behind. But man, just kicked out and and goodbye, just like that. It really makes you wonder what people really thought about him around there. Um, you always see he's such a great guy, and he he did he did do good things for us. Um, like you said, the fights on after games, but I don't know. It really makes you wonder. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, a big thing for me that that I thought Tiger did for the program was start to get the players back going to class and, and working on 
raising the academic level because like like we saw some articles last year when Jimbo Fisher left Florida State I mean it wasn't just the program that was in shambles it was also the academics um I got this right Florida State was tied for the lowest APR rate in the FBS um they were only a couple points shy from being ineligible to play in a bowl game so it was a big focus for Taggart to start getting academics back going for Florida State football, something that kind of trickled away during the Jimbo Fisher era with all the success on the field. But, you know, I, I thought that was, it just shows Taggart as a man that as, as focused he was on the field to, to get wins, he wanted to make these guys better men and, and better people on the field, in the classroom, and in the community. You know, it didn't work out on the field, but I think everywhere else we, we could say Tagger made a, a positive impact on this program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to, to your point about the academics, I put in an article this week that the uh, the base level for APR is 930. That's the lowest you can go without getting any punishments, and we were at 940 for the last four years. That's almost as close as you can get. There's only three or four teams below us for this past cycle, and the cycle before that was even worse. So... Yeah, Tiger was definitely on his way to raising that academic standard. And, uh, and on, so, on one hand, I wish he'd gotten the chance to fulfill it, but on the other chance, uh, a change was needed. Mm-hmm. One thing that we can kind of get into, or we will get into right now, is, is the Warren Thompson situation. And, and if you haven't checked out Dustin Lewis's article here on that uh this is where we can kind of talk about maybe what kind of relationship willie tired had with his with his players because uh warren thompson we're very high on him uh me and dustin here on here the spear and, and fisher we're talking about warren thompson during the spring uh, uh summer then getting into fall practice uh was excelling very well and 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 the workouts practice and was showing out there was clips of him one-handed catches uh, and then you know we saw some flashes during the season too um and then it seemed like some personal issues were a problem with thompson and that's what uh, i believe willie taggart said that in a press conference if i'm correct yeah um yeah and so yeah willie taggart said why someone a reporter asked where's warren thompson he said he's got some personal issues he's dealing with um and then we didn't see warren thompson on the field this last saturday did we see him the week before either i don't believe so i don't believe we've seen him in the last two weeks if i'm correct uh but whole story here is that after Willie Taggart was let go, uh, Warren Thompson put out on his story, on his Instagram story, saying, uh, oh, I'm the only one with personal issues or something like that. Uh, throwing some shade at Willie Taggart. You have better. You wrote the article. I'll give it to you, Dustin. Yeah, he said, um, I wasn't the only one with personal issues uh, with a laughing emoji. Probably about hmm. 10 minutes or so after Taggart was officially fired by Florida State. And then also, not even I didn't even get a chance to, to put it in this article because it, it broke like right before I tweeted this. But his mom went on Facebook and went on that crazy rant. And, oh, man, I mean, what a, what a freaking mess. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Thompson Thompson was a guy that Taggart wanted dating all the way back to when he was at Oregon. Thompson actually committed to Oregon when Taggart was there. When Taggart came over to Florida State, Thompson flipped his commitment to Florida State. He was one of the probably one of the crown jewels of the class among among those five wide receivers that Florida State signed and Tribe 18. He was the second highest behind Treshawn Harrison. Yeah, just a ton of attitude problems during his time here. And, you know, I know the season hasn't gone the way he wanted it to, but that's no reason to break down mentally and begin to blame other people for your mistakes. I mean, look at look at Keyshawn Helton, the lowest-ranked player in the same signing class as Warren Thompson. And Helton is a young superstar on that Florida State offense before he got hurt. And, you know, next year when he gets back, he's going to be even better. Then you've got Treshawn Harrison in the rotation. Even Jordan Young finally got on the field and, and made a play against Syracuse. And that was the first time he ever stepped foot on the field since he signed with FSU. And I haven't heard Jordan Young, I haven't heard a peep out of him complaining. And then you have Warren Thompson over here just complaining all the time on Instagram and Twitter. It's just really annoying. So, yeah, shut up or hit the transfer portal. <laughs> that's, that's one way to put it. Uh, take, your, <laughs> take your mom with you. Oh, straight up. There you go. Welcome yeah. to Hear the Spear. We are getting hot at midnight yeah. here. It's bitch, it's bitch made, bro. Yeah, there you go. Midnight, 12.08. Here we go, baby. This is why I'm here. This is why I need to start bringing popcorn. And I'm going to start getting a microwave right here. I'm going to start cooking some popcorn. Here the Spear is blowing up. And just, just to keep it going, I mean, hang on. Just to talk about what his mom <laughs> said. All right. <laughs> She said that Thompson was refusing to dress until Taggart was fired. And she was also blaming Taggart for, like, Thompson not playing and stuff. How is it Taggart's fault that he's not playing if he's refusing to dress for games? I mean, they <laughs> yeah, said, I've never seen someone blame someone else for their kid not dressing out. That, they that said was, Taggart that and, and Ron Dugans were pretty much having to beg this guy to, to stay on the team and and everything. And... She's over here trying to justify that. And I'm just like, man, this is just making you and, and your kid look look even worse in, in this situation. I mean, just yeah. a total, total I mess. I hope it's protecting your kid, but this is special. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> like mother, like daughter. That's what I always say. <laughs> Wait, like mother like daughter, or like mother like son. I don't. No, he he meant what he said. Goes to tell what Willie Taggart was having to deal with behind closed doors, which is really exciting. But uh, yeah, let's move on real quick now to uh, uh, heading into the Boston College game. We've gotten word that Marvin Wilson will be out for this game, uh, dealing with some recovery after some surgery on his hand. Uh, so we will not see Marvin Wilson out there. Do we see him for any of the rest of the season? I wouldn't be surprised if he shut it down all year. I mean, he's talented. He's He might get a first-round grade. At the very least, he's going second round. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just said, eh, let me, let me sit, let me get ready for the NFL and make sure I'm 100% healthy. But at the on the flip side, he's been all in this season. Now, I also wouldn't be surprised if he said, you know what, I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah, I've kind of been hearing some whispers that Marvin Wilson is going to sit out the rest of the season. Um, you know, I haven't been able to verify that yet or not, but that's just kind of the word that's starting to go around. I've seen a little bit on Twitter and 
some other places as well. And yeah, honestly, if Marvin Wilson shut it down right now, I'd kind of I'd kind of question what he's done this season because obviously, like you talked about, Austin, he's he's been all in from what it seemed like talking to the media last week. He was just he was talking so much about how big the Miami game was, and then you know Florida State loses and potentially he shuts it down for the year after that. So that's not a move that I'd be happy with if that's how we're going to see Marvin Wilson in his time at FSU. But at the same time, if it is a serious injury, I, I can understand it a little bit more. But it'd be really big for this program to have Marvin Wilson out there leading this team and continuing to be a vocal presence both on the field and off the field. Mm-hmm. So Florida State is going to be facing Boston College this weekend. They're without their starting quarterback. Uh, Starting quarterback Anthony Brown is out for the remainder of the season due to, I believe, a knee injury, if I'm correct there. Dustin DeLu. Yep. Season-ending knee injury for Boston Boston College's starting quarterback. But, uh, Dustin, what did you call their uh, second-string quarterback? (laughs) Shit stain. <laughs> Why is it shit stain? Because he's trash. <laughs> it's as simple as you can put it, I guess. Dennis 29 Ross. out of 70. <laughs> That's so are you saying more shit stainy than what Florida State's going through with their quarterback situation? Dude, Alex Hornibrook might be like a smaller shit stain than this guy, which is surprising. Wow. I think Alex Hornibook would be better right-handed than their backup is. <laughs> trying to find different ways where Florida State could compete with shit-stainy Dennis Grossel. <laughs> it's not looking good. So Florida State has allowed 35 sacks. Boston College has only allowed five. So <laughs> if Florida State... <laughs> that funny that's hilarious <laughs> 35 Florida State is and if you don't know your math you don't have to get out a pen or paper don't get your calculators out that is 30 more sacks Florida State Great has allowed there. and also like seven that? times as many if you want to get more advanced whoa whoa okay now come on it's 12 it's 12 30 at night no one's want any of that uh Boston College record is five and four uh, they are three and three in the conference. Steve Adazio is still there. What's that video of him in the stand saying? What is he saying? Dudes just being dudes. Is that what it is? Guys being dudes. Get it, dude? How do you not know that? I don't know. I have no clue. Logan has I just, no pop culture references at all. Don't no. worry. Every Vine. frat guy on Twitter can recite that, and you can't. <laughs> what are you saying? You I'm suck. saying That's you should probably know it. I should know it, so I'm a frat guy. Yeah, you're a little douchey. (laughs) Damn. Uh, Fisher, we need you back, man. (laughs) Dustin has to come up to somebody. Yeah, I guess since I'm not uh, that on the end with basketball, Dustin's going to come after me. So, awesome. Let's move to Mississippi so we can keep the jokes going. Yeah. Yeah, we we need Fisher back. Uh, help, but uh, yeah, 
Uh, Boston College is points per game, 34, averaging 34 points per game. That's 36th in the nation. Uh, Boston College doesn't have a really good defense. Uh, they're ranked 97th in opposing points scored with 31.4 average. If Kendall Bryles and Florida State can't get some offense going, something's something's very, 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 very wrong. Yeah, Boston College, uh, they like flip flop this year. Usually, they're they're pretty bad on offense, but they have an elite defense. And this year, on offense, they've they've been pretty pretty amazing all season. They're averaging 481 total yards of offense a game, but on defense now they're allowing 482.8 yards a game. So, yeah, just a really weird flip flop. What a weird year in the ACC. I mean, just thinking of. Thinking back to like how bad Syracuse and NC State are this season after being pretty good last year, like and Boston College was pretty good last season. So just some weird ACC football, man. Yeah, we kind of said these same things going into Wake Forest game though, like how they had a great offense and the defense wasn't that great, and then we only put up twenty points on them. Um, but some of that may have been Tiger. I guess we won't know. Until this weekend, and we see how good the offense is. It was the um, rain, bro. That rain sucked. I'm still not over it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know though. We'll see. I don't have very high hopes. Just coming off hiring, uh, from firing Coach Tiger, uh, but oh. we do have Coach Coach Odell now. So I don't know. We'll see. How do y'all feel going into this game? Do you feel like in this is probably a big question. Do you think there's going to be a lot of heart shown? On Saturday for the Knolls? Or do you think it'll be a little bit too distracting from what has happened? They just lost their head coach. Seems like it might be almost 50 50 in the locker room with some guys kind of fine with it, some guys pretty uh, wrecked over losing one of their, uh, of course, their coach, but also a, a friend that's Willie Taggart um, that they're very close with and had an open door policy. Do you think this team is, is going to fight this weekend? Or do you think it's going to be the other way around? I mean, there's been a couple of reports that they've seen more focused and more ready to go in practice. Um, but obviously those are reports and you can't believe everything you hear. But um, I don't know. I think they'll play with their hearts on their sleeves and try to go in for Odell because that's what you should do. Coach Higgins is the best. Yeah, I think they're going to they're gonna fight hard this weekend in Boston. Uh, Florida State, the roster... Really got a wake-up call this past week. Seeing Willie Taggart, you know, get fired less than two years into his process. That just shows how badly the administration, the boosters, and, and the fans want this program to be successful. And, you know, as poor as the Taggart era ended up on the football field, you can't blame Willie for all of that. Some of that blame goes on the players for not playing to their assignments. I mean, you can't, you can blame penalties on coaching, I guess, but at the end of the day, the guys out there are the ones committing those penalties, dropping passes on offense, throwing interceptions, dropping interceptions. I mean, it's the players making the mistakes in the end. And I think they're going to wake up this Saturday and play a pretty solid game against a good BC team. As we learned, uh, I believe it was on Tuesday, so much stuff is going on at the same time. It's incredible. I don't know how 
our brains haven't exploded. But uh, on, I believe, Tuesday it was that Odell Hagens has moved um, Coach Levitt up to an on-field role coach. Um, and there was a lot of talk about Levitt and, and maybe possibly being a defensive coordinator. That's a whole other conversation, maybe for the next podcast and all that kind of jazz. But uh, speaking of Florida State's defense, they're going to have to deal with their top, with Boston College top receiver, Hunter Long. Uh, he's got 21 catches, 411 yards, and one touchdown. He's the tied end. He's the leading receiver, and he's the tied end uh, for Boston College. Uh, how is Florida State going to have to deal with him, but also one of the country's best running back uh, with A.J. Dillon? Yeah, really, you know, we already talked about how Grosso is a shit stain. So I think it's imperative for this defense to stack the box against arguably the best running back in college football this year and over the last couple of years. A.J. Dillon, nine games into the 2019 season so far, he's ran 232 times for 1,286 yards on the ground and 13 rushing scores. He's also caught a pass for a touchdown this year. So 14 total scores in nine games. He's really he's the he's the only guy on that offense that can make it go consistently consistently right now, and you know thankfully for Florida State, the best part about that defense is the run defense where they've really struggled is in pass coverage and coincidentally that's where BC is struggling on offense throwing the ball. So this is going to be the FSU's rush defense up against AJ Dillon and BC's rushing attack and. You know, whichever one breaks first is probably the side that's going to end up losing the game. Yeah, if their leading receiver is averaging just over two catches a game, I'm not worried about it at all. Um, my main focus is going to be how they do against A.J. Dillon. Like Dustin was just saying, how, how well can they contain him and how well can Marvin Wilson, Corey, or I guess Marvin's not playing, how well can Corey Durden and Robert Cooper and those guys penetrate the offensive line and get him behind the line? Cedric Wood will probably... Get in there too. Yeah. Well, how y'all feeling about this game? I feel like I'm still mad at Teddy Valentine for the basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> you got to just learn how to move on, Austin. Man, I can't. Who did the Vikings play it. this weekend? How about well? How about that Seahawks game and uh, at uh, Seattle, Dustin for your Buccaneers, Jameis Winston. I can't believe Jameis Winston lost that game. Excuse me? How about Pittsburgh being ass? Um, my my starting quarterback is out for the season. I got in my freaking 10-year-old quarterback playing. I won a game with my third-string quarterback that was a, played for Sanford, who played against The FSU. Dolphins, relax. Let's be honest. Pittsburgh season was he, over he when the it Chargers. started. No. Okay, the Chargers <laughs> suck, too. Uh, um, who did they just beat this weekend? The Packers, which you know my thoughts on the Packers. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> anyways, anyways, don't come after me. Where this is a hard season for the Steelers, but I'll tell you what, the rest of this stretch right here, we might be going on a little run here, like we've already started. So don't be coming after me. That's fine. No one cares about the Steelers. What? Why are we doing this? 
That's all right. Well, Dustin had to bring it up. He had to come after me. I was just saying, <laughs> I just went after his Bucks for just 10 seconds. But hey, Wait till the Bucks win eight straight games and make the playoffs, all right? They're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, someone take right. away the Coke from him. Someone, someone's going skiing tonight, hitting the slopes. <laughs> Not the only thing I'll be hitting. <laughs> it's going to be that wall. Oh, it's going to be yeah. Warren Thompson. No, never mind. No. Oh my god! All right, now see. Now we've learned, Austin, what not to do is record past twelve fifteen with Dustin Lewis. I would say it's past his bedtime, but he's up till three a.m. every day anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's reckless hours at this point. You want to go ahead and do your apology session to your mom real quick? We need to do that at least once every podcast. Mom, I believe I have said six cuss words tonight. I am deeply. <laughs> apologetic for for these offenses and i'll do anything i can to repent that to you I just love you <laughs> don't love slap you so much. Knee, please don't slap my tendonitis knee <laughs> <laughs> she knows what that means okay i don't want to know what it means but i'm glad that y'all have that as a connection there and a bond for you uh, keys to winning the game before we go to our score prediction since we, I believe, were all wrong last week against Miami. Yeah, right? except for uh, Tom Riddleston. <laughs> yeah, did He's a great job. Yeah, on our score predict. Well, I'm talking about <clears throat> podcast. Oh, only. yeah, podcast. Yeah, we screwed up. Or just us two. Yeah, yeah Austin ain't going to come in here and embarrass himself either, so... He's off fighting the power with whatever Marvel character he was dressed up as for Halloween. That's disrespectful. <laughs> uh, keys to winning this game. You go first, Austin, since you're still the rookie here. Um, obviously, stopping the run. Oh, it's hard to say stop the run. Contain the run as best you can. AJ Dillon's obviously one of the best in the country. If you can keep him and his touches limited and hopefully get out to a big big advantage so they're not running that, that much, that'd be great. Um, on offense, I, I still don't know what quarterback we're going to start. Is Browse more of a Blackman guy or a Hornibrook guy? So for uh, offensive keys of the game, I think it's just going to be get the quarterback some confidence. The last few weeks, they've been horrible. I mean, just absolutely horrible. There's no other way to put it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> Won't Austin technically always be the rookie since he joined the podcast last? I guess so. I guess you can say that. And you're the second. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess um, this is my hazing, and it's, it's, it's all right. I would say mm-hmm. pretty much the same thing you did on defense, Austin. Shutting down the run, but I would say particularly on, on the early downs to force BC into third and six third and eight situations and, and make that shit stain throw. But, um, <laughs> seven. Going <laughs> <laughs> over to offense. Uh, I can tell we have some really mature kids on this podcast. Going over to the offensive side of the ball. I want to see Cam Akers respond after really getting shut down by a tough Miami defense a week ago. Akers had 22 carries. For 66 yards in the game, he did score on a touchdown catch against Miami. But I want to see him get back over 100 yards, get a couple touchdowns, and hey, maybe break out the wild cam again. Screw it. 
Should have done it more against Miami. Should have let him throw it against Miami. I was on lockdown then. I was on lockdown. I tried to tell y'all, don't do that shit so much. They didn't let him throw. Syracuse. Yeah, the one time they did, Gabe Neighbors had 30 yards. I'm saying, you if they would have let Cam Akers throw one 40-yard pass in that game, Miami instantly would have been like, oh, shit. Gabe, Neighbor, Gabe Neighbors also has been the best tight end for Florida State this season. Gabe Neighbors is a goat, and I won't hear anything different. Went from a fullback to a tight end. He was very quick in uh, high school. He's a fast guy for how big he is. That's a big boy. He's a fast. Ran 100 meters and 200 meters in high school. Yeah, surprisingly solid. I mean. You wouldn't have really thought of him as a big contributor coming into the season. but I mean, he scored a couple times, and, you know, I got a soft spot for Gabe Neighbors. My, my uncle's a, a really big Clowns County high school football fan. That's where Gabe played his high school ball. So, got a soft mm-hmm. There you go. Score predictions, here we go. Let's get him out. It's at 1233 right now. I have an exam. Now that's at midnight, past midnight, I have an exam tomorrow. So, who wants to uh, risk it for a biscuit here and and give it a go ahead? Anybody? Uh, I guess since I'm still the rookie, I guess I'll go first. Um, <laughs> smart, smart, smart. I'll say we go three and Odell, and I say we win thirty-one twenty-four. Whoa, Jesus! Hold up, three. Okay, okay, never mind, never mind. I was thinking like you're about to predict that Boston College, Alabama State, and then uh, Florida, like those are all going to be wins. My bad. Screw it, throw in the ball <laughs> game too. Six and Odell, let's do it. I'm all Jesus. in. I'm all in, baby. <laughs> so you're also going skiing and hitting the slopes also with Dustin. Where are y'all getting this from? Yeah. Y'all got the plug? Sauces. I'm in North Carolina. No, there, there's more snow up here. Oh, <laughs> That winter weather, huh? Yeah, it's been cold, man. I don't know. Florida State seems to find a lot of snow, but it's another conversation <laughs> for can, a different eh? type. Yeah, that's that's for <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> Malik Henry seems like he's doing really well right now for himself too. Just doesn't. I wonder if he just does not like school at all. He just won't do it. Malik seems Henry is my spirit animal. Wow, you love you love Malik Henry. Malik, uh, Dustin does have a big love for Malik Henry. Also, I do. We party together a few times. <laughs> so now it's starting all to connect. Yeah. And hitting the slopes. Now we got it. <laughs> so are you ready for my game prediction now? Huh? Yeah, I've been waiting. Nope, I'm not. Nope. Let's skip it. Let's go. What's next? Yeah. So it's been a weird year of football. Uh-oh. I feel like he's calling a seven overtime game. I feel it. Um, you know, looking at this game, the two defenses are the weak point, while the offenses are the strong point. So, knowing how the ACC has been this year, that's going to flip flop. This is going to be a defensive-minded game. I got Florida State seventeen fourteen. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So Florida State, what you be all both predicting Florida State to win? Six and Odell, oh. baby, it's happening. Wow. Yeah, I okay. think we're going to see Florida State win this game and pretty much clinch their bowl eligibility. It's going to be really – I think it's really needed for not only for the players but also just the fan base. It'll just give everyone – just to get back the bowl season, will give everyone a little bit of positive momentum moving forward through the rest of this year. And, you know, I think we'll all be able to stomach the events of this week a little bit better. 
Yeah, no, I mean, after the loss tonight, I think fans were one to have a win for FSU basketball, but just this week has just been all over the place. <laughs> Wild. Uh, but, yeah, some good news would be nice to see this Saturday. Um, th- this one, uh, see, I wasn't expecting both of y'all to go the Florida State route, but here we are. Uh, either I could be the one that predicts Florida State to lose and – and if I get it right, then I'm really smart. But if I get it wrong, then I'm not smart. I'm going to go also Florida State. an asshole. You get it right. <laughs> I'm a douchebag and an asshole. Perfect. Don't take my bowl game away from me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to – yeah, Florida State is def- most certainly fighting for a bowl game here. I think Kendall Browse is going to want to coach uh, a, a very strong game after what in the, whatever the hell we saw on Saturday. Uh, and defensively, Florida State's going to have to find a way to to screw up A.J. Dillon's consistency plan because this dude has been consistent his whole career at Boston College. He's a stud, uh, and he's going to be in the NFL. Uh, Grossel, Shitstain, Liz Dustin's calling him. Send people after him. Send people, send people, send extra people. Just annihilate the kid, uh, make him scared to throw. I'm going to go Florida State. I'm going to go Florida State 24, Boston College 23. Jeez. And, yeah, I just want to point out, since we're talking crap, <laughs> we're talking crap about Grosso, he's definitely going to go 19 out of 20 on Saturday. Oh, 100%. Yep, just because of you. 350 yards. Yeah, he's going to have I want probably, all the smoke. Yeah, you really do want all the smoke. <laughs> and with that, we will end this podcast. Uh, if you're able to stick with us through the entire thing, hats off to you. If you're listening on iTunes, feel free to rate us five stars and leave a review if you enjoyed it. We, appre- we appreciate the interaction you guys have been giving us and sending us messages saying you're enjoying the podcast. It means a lot to us because, like I said, we're I'm in college. Justin is in college. Austin's a busy guy. Um, and working at McDonald's is tough for him. Oh, so uh, it's 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 very nice to see the encouraging words that y'all have been giving to us. Um, also, if you there's iTunes, you can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube too. We saw a lot of views coming in on YouTube in our last podcast. So yeah, if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe over there. If you're on Twitter, make sure you're following us on our new Twitter account, our Noel Game Day account at the null game day that account is is uh on fire right now we're getting a lot of traction over there uh, we had to make a new account due to a dmca notice but that's a whole nother story y'all go check out that account that's where we're giving 24 7 updates on the coaching uh, situation the news always goes to twitter first before anywhere else twitter is the first uh, platform that we will send out any kind of updates with that uh, with Bob Stoops or any kind of other coaching candidates uh, that's going on right now. Any kind of nuggets goes to at the Null Game Day on Twitter. Uh, you can follow this podcast, Twitter, at Hear the Spear. Uh, we want to say thank you again to PJ Savoy for coming on. We greatly appreciate him coming on to talk with us about his time at Florida State. Um, and also, uh, we look forward to uh, seeing y'all after the game on uh, after Boston College uh, on Saturday. And yeah, anything else you guys want to say? 
1245 yeah, since, morning. Since, since we started with basketball, I'm going to end it with basketball. Shout out to Jonathan Isaac with a crazy stat line tonight. 13 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 6 blocks, and 4 steals. Good seeing you ball out, Brody. Yeah, and I just I just wanted to point out really quick that Austin does not work at McDonald's. Perfect. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>